everybody. I'm actually going to remember for the third week in a row to tell people who I am. So hi everyone, I'm Natalie Pithers. I run Genealogy Stories, um, a self-confessed history addict, and I'm joined every fortnight by various history guests from Family History to today's guest, Rebecca, who's here to talk to us about witches. Um, Rebecca, would you mind introducing yourself? Because I know you'll do a much better job than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my name's Rebecca Radil. I'm a historian, author. Um, I do bits of podcasting and TV stuff as well. Um, yeah, a bit of a jack of all trades, but I do have a special interest in witches, although I have to flag from the start, I am not an expert, I'm just obsessed. So there we go. <laughs> There's something about witches though, isn't there? It's, mm. yeah. I was I was thinking about it through because I like, um, I love um, uh, kind of, there's kind of popular culture things like um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, big fan of the, the new Netflix series. And, um, I know it's not quite the same with Buffy the Vampire Slayer and things like that and that that kind of those kind of iconic images of witches have kind of filtered down and been modified and modified and modified as the centuries go on and there's something really fascinating about why <laughs> you know why is it we're so obsessed with things like witches um, yeah I think it, yeah I think it's because society's obsessed with women that don't conform I think that's what it is and we live we've lived in a patriarchal society forever um, and anything that goes against the grain is always going to be of, in, of interest, even though these, you know, these circumstances, you know, these incidents, I should say, are exceptional when you look at, the, you know, people being accused of witchcraft and stuff. Um, I think that's what it is. It's just women, um, the patriarchy fearing deviant women. <laughs> No, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's that kind of whole mad, bad and dangerous to know kind of category, isn't it? But I, I quite like yeah. the way that women, perhaps in this century, have kind of subverted that and re, kind of reclaimed the image of the witch, which is quite interesting. So mm. um, talking about now, do you know sort of when people first started talking about witches or when the kind of concept kind of dates back to? Um, oh, it's really interesting because I think the concept of a witch, the idea of a witch is we can find it across all cultures throughout history, you know, depending what, wherever you go. But certainly in terms of um, Europe and Britain um, and America, I think the idea of witches and women that dabble in magic and potions and that kind of thing, we get from classical literature. We get it from Medea. We get it from Medusa and Circe from the, the classical texts. And you certainly see in the 16th and 17th centuries when these texts are being translated into English for the first time that um, it, they, they make an impact. You find echoes of, of quotes and lines within the plays that are being performed on stage with regards to Lady Macbeth, for example, being described in a similar way to the way Medea is described in um, Seneca's description of her. So there's lots, actually, it might be Euripides. Anyway, don't quote me on that one. It's one of them, one of the classical writers. Um, so that's a huge influence. But then, of course, obviously the Catholic Church um, has a lot to answer for when it comes to defining and categorizing women and men, it should be said, that um, are practicing these, these dark arts and using them to um, corrupt and cause pain and harm and that kind of thing. So was, um, so was witchcraft kind of, has it always been considered something dark or, or even in earlier times, did you get kind of good and bad witches or is that very much like a, a modern concept? Um, so I, I don't know in terms of globally. I would, I'm not going sure. to lie and pretend I know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Um, but obviously, there's there's so much 
nuance when it comes to it. The, the witch as defined in law, witchcraft as defined in law from 1563 um, is a a dark being it's it's somebody that's practicing you know colluding with the devil and using this collusion to cause pain and harm to others for their own gain or their own wickedness so that's that description but then of course if we brand, if we open it out and think about magic and potions and healing then yeah absolutely these things have been around forever and they've not always been seen as bad things and um, they're part of everyday life when you think about paganism when you think about the way different gods were worshipped in um pre um you know before the medieval period or during the medieval period um for a little bit of time as well i think we've got it we've got this we've got it all there it's um you know there's there's good there's bad and and i think we find that um all over the place but it's this definition of the witch i think that's the, that's the important thing that we get in the in the um, 16th century that changes things and it changes the way that women and men um, are viewed when they're behaving in ways that are not typical to society or not accepted in society. Okay, okay. So, um, uh, so what, it's a really difficult question. I was gonna say, what sorts of people are accused or tended to be accused of witchcraft and, and I kind of as I was thinking of the question I was thinking well, sorts of is kind of a, a bit difficult to define but I, I guess what were the people that were accused of witchcraft what do you think led them to be accused of witchcraft is, is perhaps a better way of phrasing that question maybe hopefully and <laughs> um, no I know what you mean but I think it's it's again it's really tricky because it depends on it from place to place and there have been so many different studies into um different witch trials that have have gone on but the thing that strikes me the kind of underlying theme throughout most of them is that it's usually a consequence of underlying issues between neighbors and family members i think that's the underlying thing it's usually conflict that's that pre-exists and it's and the witchcraft as, at, accusations are where you see it escalate and when the law um the, you know authorities are brought in that's where it escalates to to the to the level that it, it captures the attention of the authorities and um, makes its way into historical record and that's why we can read about it but when you're looking at these trials it's there's definitely lots of tension going on between different people and they accuse that you know the accusations are bizarre for us to to look at now I mean they're, they're things like you know um, a, a woman being accused of having a familiar sucking blood from a teat, um, you know, in her private regions. And uh, it's um, these yeah. things are, are very strange to, th to think about. Or, you know, women and or men, um, but mainly women um, when it comes to, to England, being, being accused of um, destroying crops or um, creating magic that will um, kill cattle and... Um, uh, that kind of thing. It's um, it they're very they're very nuanced and particular these um accusations, but it is the tension I think between family members and neighbours that's that's there. Yeah, it's interesting. I have an ancestor that was accused of being a witch, which is one of the reasons Ooh. I was really excited to join you. So it it was um late 1700s, so very late 1700s, 1790s. So she wasn't like officially kind of brought in front of people and accused her of witch, but she she got a job working as a kind of as a servant, but kind of doing lots of odd jobs by the sound of it for yeah. um for the local reverend. And um he was known to be a bit eccentric even even at the time. Um, and he became more and more convinced that that she was a witch, and and so ultimately he sacked her 
on the basis that he thought she was a witch. But he was so obsessed with her that even a year later, he was writing that the bees that she'd, you know, that she had tended to or, or taken honey from or something had had like, you know, disappeared the following year. And it must have been kind of a latency effect of oh, crazy. <laughs> kind, of, kind of witchcraft. So, so yeah, so he accused her of causing his horse to go lame. Um, he had all these suspicions about her. From what I can gather, she was um, uh, quite elderly and, um, and and probably a bit hag-like. <laughs> hag-like, and that was literally her only crime. I think her, her face, you know, didn't look very nice. <laughs> Um, oh, and that would seem to be the entire basis of his kind of prejudice against her. But interestingly, she was still allowed into the birthing chamber of his his wife when she was she was giving birth. So she was one of the sort of five or six women there helping with the midwifery. Um, and afterwards, when the baby got sick, it was her fault. But you know, he recovered. But interestingly, um, he had suspicions before he let her. <laughs> before she was in this bedchamber so it seems really bizarre to me that you'd think that maybe somebody might be a witch and then allow them to tend to your wife while she's in labor so definitely a bit of an eccentric yeah that's it that's interesting but also it it kind of touches on the other thing to do with with women um during the early modern period and all actually always we're associated with life and death we give life and for centuries until um physicians got you know male physicians got in on the act we were always the ones that were delivering babies um, we would always we would later um, always be the ones embalming the dead as well and preparing them to um before they were they were buried so that association between life and death is something that is almost seen as like a, a mystical mysterious thing that women can do and women know about um and i think that plays into this idea of deviance and having um I don't know something something not quite right about you. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So was your was your ancestor in? Did you say in the sixteen nineties? No, no, seventeen nineties. So it was really that's, late. That's yeah. really interesting because the witch witch laws had changed then. So, um, actually, in I can't remember the exact. Was it in England? It was in. Yes, it was in a very small area of Dorset, so um, near Turner's Puddle. Um, okay, and so, was yeah. she? Was she where were the records? Is it a family a family story that you're aware of, or, or are there no. historical records? Or yeah, there's historical records. So he this the Reverend kept a diary, and the the ah. entries are from his his diary. And um, uh, the, the place is small enough for me to conclude that there there would have only been really one Susan Woodrow living there, and that's that's my six oh, times okay. great grandma up an almost solidly maternal line as well. Just <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's brilliant. yeah, it's I love that. The man that she married, um, so um, the man that she married, he'd actually previously been married before and um, and lost his wife. And that wife had given birth to a pair of twins who I think um, possibly had a cleft pellet. It's really difficult to interpret the, the the burial records. But on the burial record, there's quite a large note to say that they had um, facial deformities that made them look pig-like. Um, and right. that the wife had been startled by a pig while she was pregnant. And obviously that was the cause. Um, and I wonder whether that was some years before this reverend came. But I wonder whether there was talk about that in the village, whether that kind of um, unusual aspect of these these twins um, and the fact they were twins as well um, um, and their death. And then, you know, years later, this reverend comes along and kind of, you know, maybe perhaps ties the two things together, even though they, they are actually different women. Um, mm. And maybe that fed into it. Um, 
Her husband That's was possibly it. a gamekeeper as well, which would have made him incredibly unpopular within the village. So there's all yeah. these little tiny aspects that I that I've tried to kind of unpick as best as I can. And I, like, obviously, I'm just interpreting a few pages in a diary and, and what I can glean so far. So, yeah, it's been really that's, interesting. <laughs> that's fascinating because because in the in the early uh, sorry, in the early 18th century, the law with regards to witchcraft changed. So no longer um, did people did the law officially recognize that witchcraft was practiced what they did look out for were frauds so people could be accused of witchcraft but it would mean something different from the 18th century onwards from a legal perspective it would mean that you were being fraudulent and pretending that you had powers to help people when in fact you you couldn't so it's interesting that mm. despite the shift in the legal terminology and um maybe academic circles there was still this underlying belief system which is very much the case with your story of your ancestor that they still that, believed in this in the occult and that women were doing these things genuinely. Yeah, that's interesting as well because I have to check whether it was her or her mother. One of them definitely ended up. Uh, I found her in the quarter of sizes, so she definitely um, she went to Blanford and um, was in some sort of trouble. But it doesn't say anything about what she was accused of, and it's literally just one line. Um, so it, it yeah, it's tantalising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah can't quite work out, but maybe maybe the two are related um I need to do some mm. more digging but um do you um going back a little bit earlier to to when there could be trials who could could anyone accuse anyone of being a witch and if you did what would what were the kind of steps that would lead from being accused of being a witch to kind of full-blown witch trial um yeah well so you could do it locally you would you would obviously make the make the accusation and you'd report it to the authorities the constable or um you know a local a local important person then it would go to the magistrate and then um they could be if if the evidence stacked up they could be tried but then they also would do things to test whether women were witches as well. I mean, we all know the stories about women being dunked in water, the sink or swim type thing. Um, but there were other things, whether women could um, heal wounds that had been inflicted or um, if if women, they, they would be searched to see if they had any marks on them that would indicate a teat that would be the devil's mark. Because, of course, we have to remember that witchcraft legally was not just a, an accusation of using magic. The subtext was that you were using magic that came directly from the devil and that was where you were getting your power from. So it was it very much played into people's fears. And I think that the other aspect about the early modern period as well is that there was such a splintering when it comes to religion, particularly Protestant religion in um, England, Scotland and the Netherlands as well and other northern European countries. There was such a splintering that people were worried about whether they were following the right path am I doing the right type of protestantism am I you know believing worshipping the right kind of way um and because so many extraordinary things happen in the 17th century that you know if you have faith you may think that they would be it would be a sign that the end of days are coming this is I think we have to remember this in people's mindsets as well so there's lots of different layers to it there's the local element and there's rivalry between neighbors and friends um but then the, there are these big themes from the 17th and 16th century as well that we find hi so I mean the witch trials in America like the the, the Salem witch trials were obviously really really infamous did we have witch trials anything anything like that on a similar scale or um or did we manage to kind of 
you know evade that slightly and <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah there were lots of so there were lots of which well the, obviously Salem's the most famous one in America but there were lots of witch trials in England and there were there were specific areas that tended to be more prone to having accusations of witchcraft than other areas so um the east the southeast um Essex Norfolk um were areas where you would have um, lots of witch trials um, also Pendle which is probably the most famous episode I think in English history but then if you go over the border into Scotland you've got the whole load of stuff that was going on with James um, King James and his, and his fascination with witchcraft he published a, te a text called Demonology that explored the occult and he was he basically thought that witches were out to get him and he, but he was fascinated by them and, and interviewed women who were accused himself one one woman in particular agnes um sampson um was is a big name when it comes to scottish history and the history of witchcraft so yeah there were big cases and there were big cases at the time and you you find in texts and um pamphlets and things references to these things interestingly the first um one of the first well the royal society was established in the 1660s um and it had a publication that accompanied it that was released I think once oh, I've forgotten now I think maybe once a month um it was called Philosophical Transactions and the first ever issue you'd think that it would all be about natural philosophy and things and it was um but in the first issue there was somebody writing to explain how witches are real and we should be wary of them and this is a, you know the Royal Society so yeah I, I digress but it was very much something that was on um on people's minds and they were looking out for stories of witchcraft and that's why you find it on you know on stage you find references in poetry in letters and all the rest of it yeah so and i'm guessing news of those trials would have spread so would you have known you know if you were living hundreds of miles away on the other in in like um you know you said essex if you were living up in cumbria or something would you have heard would news have travelled about these witch trials kind of orally through, through the country? And um, they travel orally, but they'd also travel um, in text form. Obviously, we're, we're looking at a society that's not not as literate at all um, by um, as we are today. Um, urban areas were more literate, obviously. But then I guess when you think about what defines literacy, is it the ability to read or is it the ability to write? Um, some people could read but may not have been able to write. And also people could listen. I mean, we spend most of our time, well, I do certainly listening to audio books when I'm walking and stuff. So, you know, lots of people were doing that. They were listening to stories. They'd have a reader maybe in the family or the community that would read these, these pamphlets and it would be um, spread that way. But equally, there would be an oral tr tradition as well with balladeers singing recognisable tunes, um, but changing the lyrics to fit whichever story was go you know, doing around at that particular yeah. time. Um, so there was all of that going on as well. That that would be the way that news would spread. I always think that's so clever with the with the melodies because you you know you have a melody that's familiar, it becomes really really easy to learn the words to tell them to somebody else to pass them on. So yeah, I always think yeah. that's quite fun. <laughs> Yeah, I just noticed just... we've got quite a few people watching and I just wanted to remind people to feel free to comment and and, and ask with any questions. Um, Hello, so... everyone. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? <laughs> yeah, please feel free to comment um, and ask, ask your own questions because there were some really good questions on Twitter, which I have noted down, actually. Um, one of which actually was, um, which I've just got up, actually, which is uh, from um, Brooke Waldridge, who asked what, what as a witch finder so who was a witch finder general 
and did they keep records and I guess I had a question where I kind of associated that with America and I wasn't sure whether we had witch finders um in the UK or, or Europe um and I wonder whether you knew. <laughs> um, yeah, so we we had that. They weren't official titles. They were people that okay. declared themselves witchfinder generals. Um, there's that famous film from the 19 is it 60s or 70s that's just wild. Um, but there were people that that basically said, "Yes, I'm the witchfinder general of this certain area." And for the life of me, the name of the the famous one has just left me now. But I'm sure if people are at home watching they can google matthew. it and let, let matthew hopkins that's and i it. only know that from terry yeah. Pratchett. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 and matthew hopkins that's it yeah. so he yeah he was very famous there were pamphlets about him and there's a famous pamphlet that's got an image on it of it of him walking into a, a bar or a pub and there's lots of different weird weird witchcraft acts going on i think someone's licking a pig's bum or something like that i don't know but it's just all weird stuff really strange on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so anyone could just declare themselves a witch finder general and but how would they would they make money from that yeah they'd make money, money. From, from it for sure but also it's a power trip isn't it it's absolutely mm. all about power and influence and the the witch finder that Matthew Hopkins emerged during a time of huge upheaval as well, the mid 17th century in England. And, you know, when, when you have things like that happening, civil wars, regime changes, all the rest of it, you're going to have egotistical maniacs that want to take advantage of the situation. The world turned upside down is what they referred to it as. Um, and that's what he did. He just, he basically went on a bit of a rampage and was, uh, looking for witches i mean it takes all sorts doesn't it <laughs> i was going to make a height related joke and then feel better of it um, did um did um did they the, the other question related to that was did they keep records so did the witch finder generals keep records or do our does our records of witchcraft trials come from um central court records or local court records and they come from the the local courts. I mean, I'm sure there would be people that were making notes and and writing down what they'd seen and, and things. But most of the accounts that we have come from come from the court trials and um, testimonies from witnesses and things like that. And um, so that's where we get most of our information from when it comes to witch trials and official ones as well. Because there's lots of stories about witches, but we don't always know whether they're true. They could be sensationalist literature as, that's written as a warning to others rather than actually being based on truth. Yeah, and of course, I suppose you don't know how many people started to to, to feel like neighbours were looking at them suspiciously, started to feel a bit of heat, basically, and just moved and just upped and left. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, I, think I do I that. Would. I, think. I think I'd leg it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think um, so. Although that said, I mean, in reality, it's hard to move in these in these, I mean, people did move around England. Obviously, they moved around during the early modern period and lots of people moved to London. But it is hard to move. People lived in communities, like small communities, and they lived within these communities their whole life. You know, they'd be yeah. marrying their, their second or third cousins from around the corner. It's, you know, I'm not saying everyone's inbred here, but there's a bit of that. Um, <laughs> these communities were small and people stayed where they were. I mean, you'll know that from being a genealogist. Yeah, yeah. no. And, and when I say leg it, I mean, it would probably literally be on foot, wouldn't it, potentially, you know, like yeah. you could have the money to get a horse or hire a horse or well, you could just take back you of could a just, wagon. Or... <laughs> you would ride your familiar, couldn't you? Or your broomstick. You could, you'd yeah, you'd get away. <laughs> where on earth does that come from? 
that that idea. And like, so there's certain like troops, like the big witch's hat, and I, I was curious as to whether you knew where any of those kind of stereotypes came from. Yeah, so I think there is a reference to the, to the first broom that's used. Um, I can't remember when it dates to, but I think it's I think it's the early 16th century. But I could be wrong. It might be the 14th. But they certainly, in terms of imagery, the witch looked as we would imagine a witch to look in the 16th and 17th centuries. They would be on a broom. They would be, you know, they would be wearing a hat. Other depictions are just basically naked women around um, a devil with horns and stuff. Um, but yeah, the, those witch symbols that we've come to heavily associate with witchcraft were there then and being spread around. And that's what people were looking out for and keeping an eye out for. Okay. And so if you were accused of witchcraft and it went to trial, uh, what happened? Do, do we know anything about what happened to people who were found innocent? Yeah, they can. They just get on with their, their, yeah, they could get on with their own life. So one of the final cases for witch, witchcraft in terms of the original meaning of it, meaning that someone was practicing witchcraft to um, cause destruction to other people. Um, the, the woman, again, I've forgotten her name. I'm so sorry, listeners. I, I'm a terrible interviewee today. But um, <laughs> she went on and she was basically taken on the, under the wing of a local beneficiary and lived on his land until until she died later. So people could get on with get on with their lives. Obviously, in those circumstances, when you'd been to trial, it's really difficult to live in the same area again. So they tended to move a little bit away, but not miles and miles away, just maybe to the next village or something. Okay. Oh, that's really, I find that really interesting. Um, and what, so when you went to trial as well, what kind of evidence did people use to try and back up their accusations? Um, was it, um, presumably it was all just oral testimony of I've, you know, I saw this and other people saying, yeah, I saw it too. Yeah, it would be that. Or they'd be looking for poppets and things like that in people's homes, like little little dolls, kind of like as we'd imagine maybe a voodoo doll or something. Mm. They'd be looking for things like that or unusual things in the homes of the, the witches. They'd do searches. But, yeah, most of it would be down to testimony. And the testimony, as I said before, would be really, really specific and, and random at the same time. It would be things like they saw, they saw so-and-so chatting to... Um, her familiar, which is this a, a black dog, um, and um, or they saw um, another person um, whispering into the ear of a cow, and then all the cows belonging to someone else would die, um, or they saw someone placing something under a pillow of a baby, and the baby died shortly afterwards, or they noticed a mark um, on this woman, or pinpricks. Um, uh, you know, they, they all it's very strange, strange things to us, but they meant a lot to the people um, back then. Um, and they had symbolism and significance. I, I I can understand. Well, obviously, I can't understand because I'm not living in the time, but I can kind of empathize, maybe for a better word, um, with with that idea. If you if you don't know physically what causes certain things why that then you might think that that was and you're, and you're very religious, why that might, you know, spook people I guess I mean and in terms of those creepy dolls I we, we found some in the cottage that we I lived in when I was a child renovated oh wow they are really creepy so <laughs> yeah wow um, just got a question from um Lee Clements was it mainly working class women who were accused 
Um, it could be a range, but yeah, working class mainly. That said, I always flag when I'm talking about the early modern period that our notions of our class system that we that we've inherited from the late 18th and 19th century um, and 20th century. We're in the 21st century now, aren't we? Um, that's um, that wasn't it wasn't thoroughly applicable to the early modern period. The class system was slightly different, but I know what you mean. Um, people that were very much lowest down on the social hierarchy. Um, yes, they were mainly the ones that were accused. Yeah, people with the least power, I'm guessing, most vulnerable. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then um, I, I've heard that some people um, confessed that, yes, they were using witchcraft. I'm, I'm like, my guess, my completely ignorant guess would that be, would be, that would be the same as confessing something under torture. It would be just just meaningless but do do we have any evidence that people who confessed actually did believe that they were um using magical powers or i think some people yeah (laughs) I, i think i think some people did believe it i think some people did or they may have become so sleep deprived and anxious um under duress that they not necessarily confess to something that they haven't done, but they start to believe that maybe they had done that. Maybe that's what was going on. Maybe they were a bad person. Maybe that thing that they did when they were a child that they've kept secret for all these years was actually, you know, really bad. And this is their punishment for that. I think there's a, there's a whole um, raft of psychological things going, you know, at play when it comes to these false confessions of witchcraft because we know this is why we're so interested in it I think because we know I mean sorry if this bursts anyone's bubble but we know witchcraft isn't real we know there's no such thing as as magic in the sense of you know you know making potions to turn things into from one thing into another We, we know that's not true so when we look back at these cases and when we look at witchcraft stories it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that's unstoppable. We can see the moment that that accusation is made, whether the person is, you know, goes to trial, um, whether the person is convicted and found guilty. It doesn't really matter because that labels with them forever then. Um, and I think that's why we're so interested in it. We're also really interested in witchcraft now, women, I think, in particular, because it, as you um, touched upon at the beginning of this talk, it's empowering, I think, in a way, to think about these things that women for so long have been told was, you know, was wrong about us, that, you know, we're not supposed to have agency. We're not supposed to be clever. We're not supposed to um, have foresight and um, want to better ourselves. We're not supposed to wear clothes that aren't, you know, I don't know. We, we, you know, we could, we're not supposed to do so many things, but we're starting to do that now. And I think that's, I think one of the main, main interests for me when it comes to witchcraft is obviously the history, but also I'm really interested in the intersection of history with pop culture and the different types of witches that we see throughout the 20th century and the 21st century and what that says about society, because it's almost like there's a witch for every age. And what does that witch mean? And why are we presenting witches in this particular way at this particular time? Why why did, did we have Bewitched in the 1960s? Why did we have um, the craft in the 1990s? Why have we got Sabrina, the teenage witch right now? Why have we got a discovery of witches what, why, you know, why have we got all these things? Why are most witches that are de- depicted on TV and films, why are they usually white and blonde? What, why is that? What does that say about society as well? Um, so I think there's a whole 
there's there's such an interesting conversation to be had and just to look at you know if you just look at recent films to think about why why was it depicted in that way? Do, who has the power here? Is it the woman that's accused of being a witch or is it someone else? That's why you mentioned Buffy. She has the power. It's it's about the supernatural, but she's the one with the power. And that's where we find her interesting. And I'm yeah. having a bit of a ramble. So sorry. No, no, I, no I'm, I'm, I'm nodding like furiously because I completely agree. And I, I find um, uh, like Sabrina particularly interesting as well, because when you when you look at that she's a young girl who's um who's kind of being put upon i suppose being being tried to made to conform although that that conformity is interestingly a subversion of our conformity but at the same time she's using her powers um to again subvert that and 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 then embrace the bits that she wants to embrace and i i think that's really interesting it's a really interesting concept um and i think there's something really alluring and, and again it's similar in the craft although that kind of all goes horribly wrong there's something so alluring about um being being able to be in control you know if not of your you know not just of yourself but potentially of the other people around you as well um mm. and that yeah and, and and going back to the past I can kind of when you were saying about people confessing um perhaps because they they began to believe it and began to doubt themselves but I, I wonder whether there's also a you know actually I did talk to those cows and they all died and oh maybe that does mean that I've got some ability and 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 maybe that's attractive even to confess that under the the, the biggest duress obviously I don't know just <laughs> completely yeah. guessing wildly but it's interesting yeah. hmm. I think it's I mean you know, there can be so many reasons for, for someone making that that kind of confession. And I'm sure at least one person believed that they'd done what they'd done and, you know, kind of serendipitously it actually worked. <laughs> I'm sure that that happened on at least one occasion. Um, but, yeah, there's it's such an interesting area. I always find it fascinating as well when we look at witches in literature. Um, I, I find it interesting that we had... Um, the worst witch that came out i think it was the 1980s um yeah, my daughter but, loves that <laughs> yeah well i used to i yeah. used to love it when i was a child um and they were big books and you know school ch children read them but it was only when it was a boy doing the same type of thing in a in a different school in a school that was basically the same but with a different name that it took off so why is it that that boys are allowed to have that power but you know, girls in that world of the secondary characters. It's it, it's very interesting. Um, all of it. I'm I'm as you can see, I I am not an expert. I read I read a lot and I um kind of geek out a lot and watch lots of films and and things about witches. But um, I just I just love exploring it as a subject because I think it says so much about society. No, I do. Do you do you have a favourite witch? Do you think? Oh God, that's a really good question. Do I have a favourite witch? Um, I really liked, um, Cersei in the recent book, um, by Madeline Miller. Miller. Yeah, yeah, I really liked, yeah. I think she, she was my favorite. Um, I, I liked the way that that character was put together, but then, um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe her. I'll go with Cersei, one of the originals. <laughs> or maybe Eve. Now that's a question. Was Eve a witch? Ah, uh, yeah, that is an interesting question. Yeah, mm. yeah, really interesting yeah. question. I enjoyed Cersei by Madeline Miller. I think that, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I've got Pandora's Jar by Natalie, oh, I can't remember her surname, on my bedside table ready to to read as well, which is about oh, okay. um, uh, women in, in mythology. And um, yeah, yeah, so it's an interesting topic, complete, sorry, sideline. Um, 
Rachel it, has it's just. Not, oh. It's not. It's the same. It's, it's, it's all the same, isn't it? And the other one, the other good book actually recently is The Familiars um, by someone whose name, again, I've forgotten, but there, it's a good one. I know the one you mean. It's on my reading list. And the, and the cuff, cuff book cover for that's really beautiful as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not that that matters at all, but yeah, yeah, it's on my Audible list. Um, so um, Rachel's just asked Hi, Rebecca, what's the most famous witch you have come across? Uh, we have the ends. Ensbury, I'm not sure that I'm saying all right. Ensbury Witch, um, in St. Neots. Um, the most famous witch. That's a that's a hard one. Ooh, that is a hard one. I reckon probably Agnes Sampson in terms of um, Britain. She's probably the most famous one that we've we've had here. James's little bit of witch. Um, I think it's not the famous ones that are interesting. It's the ones that you find in the archive that you don't you didn't realize were there so I was doing a bit of I'm from Chester I live in Chester um and I was doing a bit of research in the local archives a few years ago just into um Tudor deaths um for a research project I was commissioned to do and I was really struck by the amount of women that were that were executed for witchcraft by Chester Castle and you just think those histories are completely lost and I would walk past Chester Castle quite easily um you know not really thinking about where I was but then after I'd read that you kind of walk past and you think gosh that's really sad these women lost their lives because of a a misguided perception of of what was what was real and and what wasn't I mean the the law probably would have got them anyway somehow <laughs> but you know <laughs> yeah and it's yeah. interesting that Anne Boleyn's quite often portrayed as a witch as well isn't she um yeah, yeah again, I don't know the yeah. was at the time but later you know um mm. yeah um I, I find that really interesting as well what you said about you were you were in the archives and you came across these um kind of untold stories I guess because I think it's really easy to assume especially when you you, you read history books and things that actually all that you know we, we've already discovered all the witches that ever were um, or I was reading something the other day and, and uh, there was it was about Bonnie Prince Charlie and, and um, oh, it was saying that they it was until fairly recently they didn't think he had any descendants living still descendants you know and actually he does and they've you know discovered them and tracked them down and I was really shocked I was like surely everybody knows you know like that that, <laughs> that should be you know just you know yeah come over take over <laughs> boot out the old lot yeah, well, funny, I, was, I was only reading about it because I was watching Outlander. So. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, um, witches. There's yeah. witches in that as well, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a really important point that I think we tend to think um, that everything's been discovered, or, or or the names of the past are all known for these things that we consider a big deal now. You know, if somebody was to be accused of a witch now, it would be like, you know, in a sense, trial would be so unbelievably shocking. So I think, therefore, we sometimes put that on the past, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think the important thing to remember as well is this law change in, in 1563 when witchcraft became a crime. And witchcraft wasn't just a crime, it was a weapon. Um, so if you look at homicide cases, witchcraft as a weapon of death is it kind of skyrockets with regards to women after that point and you'll find them in the archives you'll find them everywhere in the archives where women have been accused of killing someone else by witchcraft because it's not you can't prove it but you can't deny it either um so those cases are there very much for us to find and you will find them everyone go and find a go and find <laughs> an executed witch go on yeah jane here, jane here actually says how common was it for witches to have um been widows which is quite an interesting question. In terms of yeah, in terms of statistics, I don't know offhand, but 
common in terms of my kind of anecdotal research that I've I've been doing yes absolutely it was women that were were widowed but also women that were known and recognized as healers um they you know the woman that you would go to for your um I don't know your willow bark or something if you had a headache or that kind of thing you'd you'd go to these women and because they already knew about potions then of course if they were getting you know getting a bit annoying annoying and um there was yeah, some beef in I, the village you could accuse them of being a witch <laughs> yeah and I always wondered about um uh women that you went to perhaps to try and help you prevent a pregnancy or or get rid of an unwanted pregnancy potentially um and and how vulnerable they were really to being accused of of witchcraft especially yeah. if somebody had you know if a man found out or somebody changed their mind you know and regretted their decisions or whatever um but yeah yeah absolutely um, absolutely uh Whitney here says what are your thoughts on the rise of witchcraft practices among young women 20 to 30 years old and the evolution of the social notion of what is a witch and what a witch looks like and I, I'm I think Whitney might be referring as well to the, the modern practice of wicca um um yeah I mean whatever floats your boat if you want to do it do it it's 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 inter it's interesting and beliefs and spiritualism they evolve over time don't they so it's um it you know it fascinates me i don't i don't practice that kind of thing myself um but i'm you know i would i'll show you the earring i'm wearing because the other one fell out um i have i have my earring in. Oh, i like I the it. imagery <laughs> and the symbolism of it all um i've got a call with a priest after this so i probably won't wear it but um <laughs> I think I think it's it's really interesting but also it's kind of I don't think it's necessarily about the the magic per se I think it's about the sisterhood I think it's about finding comrades and finding your own coven and your own group of people and feeling empowered to stand by one another and you know you might not be able to hex the person that's annoyed you um but you can talk about it <laughs> yeah it's just very appealing so um I think you probably answered this earlier a little bit, actually. So how, 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 and kind of how, why, and when, I guess, did, um, did witchcraft trials um, die out? What kind of, you, you were saying about the change in law around the, the turn of the century. And I just wondered when, mm -hmm. why, sorry, how that kind well, of led up to it. Yeah. There's lots of reasons as to why there were conversations that were becoming much, much more frequent um, about, the kind of reality and the, the truth of, of magic and witches. And obviously by the end of the 17th century and going into the 18th century, we're moving into a phase of spiritual understanding and, well, not spiritual understanding, we're moving into a phase of understanding where people are starting to question religion itself. I mean, we call it the enlightenment. I don't think that's the right term for it because it came with so many horrors for so many people. Um, but in terms of intellectual thought, that's certainly there. And I think we see the seeds of that in the late 17th century and people are starting to question, you know, that, is magic real? Like, did they really, you, did, you know, Mary down the road, did she really chat to the devil to get that, you know, for those sheep to die? I don't think she did. Um, I think a, a lot of on the ground chatter like that, but also there's intellectual discourse as well that's going on. Okay. Um, did you ever get... Has there ever been any kind of big apologies to the women that obviously lost their lives after being accused of being witches? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm guessing again, like that if you were found guilty, the sentence was death. 
Oh, sorry. I, I think my internet might be cutting out a little bit. Oh, no I don't worries. know if I heard the last bit of that but okay. in terms of an apology I think there was something I was reading recently that there was going to be some kind of movement in Scotland to make an apology to the women that were accused and executed for witchcraft there but I could be wrong on that front I don't think so um I mean I don't know I, I'm, I don't know about a historical I don't know about apologies for historical things I'm not sure I don't yeah, feel like I'm educated enough about it and I'm not you know I'm not a, a witch so I don't feel like I. It wouldn't emotionally impact me if if there was apologies for for these women. But I don't, I don't know. What do you think? I kind of agree. I think it's really difficult to apologise things in the past um, because we're not there now. I I, I think yeah. I, I guess there's a difference between acknowledging and apologising, and I'm not quite sure where the where the line is in a way. Um, yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's obviously there's. Yeah, there's obviously different, you know, it's, I guess it's not um, a, a one solution f for all, because there's so many yeah. aspects of human history where apologies are, are warranted because we are still living with the consequences of those atrocities. I'm not yeah. sure. I mean, on a society level, yes, we're still living co with consequences of the patriarchy. I don't think the individual witch trials perhaps have made a mark on um you know still make a mark on our contemporary life whereas with other forms of discrimination um we definitely see that that still affects the you know the way the world works no definitely and there's not a whole society built on top of that either if you see what I mean yeah. so there's not an entire society built off the suffering of the witches where other kinds of discrimination there there definitely is <laughs> so yeah, yeah no, I agree exactly. Um, and what I was going to say, uh, the other question I asked as well was, um, where I'm, when I cut out, was um, if you were found guilty, was the um, sentence automatically death and was that by burning at the um, It was by, yeah, it was by burning at the stake in Scotland, um, not in England. You would be hanged in England. Um, so, and it actually, it depends on the crime, because if you are found guilty of using witchcraft to murder your husband, then the punishment for that would be being burnt at the stake because that was referred to as petty treason and petty treason was a crime against society um, and you, that's the way you would die. But ordinarily, despite being burned at the stake, you would be killed usually um, beforehand and just, you know, roasted on there for a little bit after. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, it, it is the image that we have, isn't it, that yeah. people were burned at the stake and they absolutely were definitely in Scotland. And if you'd killed your husband for using witchcraft, you would be liable to have that kind of death as well. But if it was just witchcraft for, I don't know, destroying some crops or killing a servant or someone that's seen as lower than you in the social hierarchy, then it wouldn't be that punishment it was be, okay. would be being hanged and if if you were a man that had committed witchcraft and used witchcraft to kill your wife would that have been petty treason treason as well no Did they, no. no no because you're not you're not committing a crime against the social order you're it's yeah it's just the way the way it worked and if you if you i mean if a man had killed a king that's that's treason um it's just where you are on that hierarchy and women at that time were below men particularly their kind husbands of, it kind of sums it up really doesn't it <laughs> yeah kind of, it does. like the ultimate illustration really isn't it of patriarchal society yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. i know okay um just had a comment from sue here healers using poisonous plants could get the dose wrong and cause harm 
and therefore were certainly vulnerable to accusations of witchcraft. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, me too. Oh, interesting one. Would people hire witches to kill a husband? <laughs> this, is, this is my cousin, Rachel, that's commenting on this, which is why I'm laughing. <laughs> You've got something planned, Rachel. <laughs> would people hire witches to kill a husband? Sunny, watch out. Um, would people hire like witches assassin, to kill a husband? Like assassin yeah. witches. Yeah. Oh, I love the well, idea, isn't it? I, great. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, people would, you know, they might consult witches. I mean, James James's interest in witches is fascinating because I think he was he was fearful of them but he was also really fascinated by what they could potentially do um so potentially but then you would never you would never confess to being a witch because if you did that and if people knew you were saying yeah i'm you know i'm a witch then you could be accused of being a witch and that would come with um not good stuff um so yeah i while i love the idea of witch assassins i'm not sure that i'm not sure how widespread and also how we would know as well. I don't think it would be in the historical record. It would be something that you'd really have to dig to find because they'd, they'd cover yeah. their tracks, wouldn't they? Well, if you're a witch or such, then you'd definitely cover your tracks. I love that idea mm. that somebody needs to make a film. Um, uh, Jane was just saying here, she associates witchcraft with with drowning, um, e.g. via the ducking stools. Um, how, how common were, were the ducking stools? Was that... Um, Again, is that something that's kind of been mythologized or, or actually, generally speaking, were ducking stools used during witch trials? Yeah, ducking, st ducking stools were used, but they weren't just used during witch trials. They were used on women quite a lot, actually. Women that would, would talk too much, um, they, would, they would be on, put on the ducking stool. There's a famous thing with one of Charles's, um, Charles II's mistresses, and when they were, the court was in Oxford during the plague, there was an inscription written on one of the, the colleges that said something along the lines of, and I apologise, I'm going to swear now, I'm going to say the F word, um, so okay. please close your ears if you don't want to hear it. And if there's children, actually, are the children watching? Is this? Am I allowed to say it, Natalie? No, no, it's, uh, just, uh, yeah, go for it and I'll try and beep it I out. I won't on say the... it then, I'll hint, I'll hint it. So <laughs> um, it was something along the lines, I've forgotten the rhyme now anyway, so it doesn't matter, but it was something along the lines of that she was spending so much time effing that she needed mm -hmm. a good, instead she needed a good ducking. Um, so there, there we go. Okay, okay. There, was Sorry, that, children. Oh, don't worry. I, it, it, I know it's, I only hesitated because I know that some people watching are on the other side of the world and therefore it would be early morning. Um Whereas here it's obviously late night. Same. Well, I didn't say um, the word. I implied. No, you didn't. You were fine. You were fine. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, that's totally for me. Oh, what was I going to say? Sorry. I was going to say there. No, no, that's okay. Um, was is this the same area? Am I right in thinking they also had the 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 bridle, the mouth? But I can't think of what it's called. Um, yeah, the, um, the thing the, that stops you talking. <laughs> yeah, they they did. They had that. The um, scold's bridle. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And you can find them in lots of mo um, local museums. They still use them on staff there. No joke. Um, you, yes, they, there are lots of them in local museums, though. They definitely were using them, and they were definitely using them to shut women up. And they're just these horrific things. I mean, if you wear one, you kind of look like Hannibal Lecter. Um, it's just a, a horrible, horrible thing, and it really gives you an insight into this society in the 17th and 16th century and how women were thought of and treated um, and it's horrible, really. And it's one to bear in mind when we celebrate, you know, women writers from that time and, you know, actors and things like that, that actually this was a really tough world for a woman to live in, particularly yeah. if you were poor. 
if if you were could you recommend any female writers from that time actually because i can't yeah, so I'm I'm a big fan of Afra Ben. Um, so she was a playwright from the um, late seventeenth century, um, and she's written she wrote lots of lots of works um, that have been celebrated over the years. I love um, a writer called Margaret Cavendish, not because she's a brilliant writer, but just because she's hilarious. Um, she she wrote a science fiction book about a woman that goes to the North Pole and meets lots of weird and wonderful creatures. Um, Jane Anger was a writer as well. Her name Anger is brilliant because she writes kind of proto-feminist stuff as well. So I'd, I'd have a look at her stuff if I, if I were you. Um, I mean, there's loads. There's loads of female writers from this time. Um, they get overshadowed a little bit because of all the male ones too. Um, but there's, if you look, you can you can find them. Um, yeah, okay. that's really helpful. Thank you. I would definitely go and look look some up. So, um, l probably start wrapping up. So, if anyone's got any questions, please do pop them in the comments. Um, but whilst you're having a think and doing that, um, is there any questions about witchcraft? This is a bit of a cheeky one, but <laughs> is there any questions that you kind of wish people asked? but they don't, that you always have to try and sneak in your thoughts on or have I covered on my basis? <laughs> um, well, that's such a good question. Um, I'll remember that one for when I do um, I, I ask sharing it a things. Lot. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good one. Um, I don't know. I, don't, I think you've, you've covered most of the things. The one thing that I like to make clear is that witchcraft was seen as a weapon as much as it was an accusation on an individual. And I think that's something that doesn't necessarily get appreciated enough is that it was a it was seen as in legal terms it was a weapon um so there's that but also i think um i'm really interested in the pop culture of witchcraft and its legacy and you know from from the vampire novels in the 19th century and supernatural things in the 19th century all the way to hollywood films and tv shows now there's just it's so rich and you find it everywhere you find it in children's books adults books um i mean it's all, it's everywhere I, I always think it's really interesting um, the, the the monsters that we create at different periods or times or the monsters that we reflect are always a reflection back on that so whether that's the baddies in the James Bond film reflecting the current politics or or you know, Frankenstein and um, uh, vampires which are my personal favorite um, mm. <laughs> so I've been hooked ever since interview the vampire so right I haven't will... we all haven't yes, we all? I know. Well, mostly because it had Brad Pitt in it, but yeah, we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for your time, Rebecca. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you, and I'm sure I could um, quiz you more about witches. Um, I know you've got your um, your brilliant podcast, Killing Time. Um, is there anywhere else that um, people could go to to find you and to find out a little bit more about your work and some of the things that you um, write on? I'm not. I'm kind of a bit stalled at the moment because I'm do working a couple of um, projects that uh, are going to take up my time for a lot of well for a few more months but I'm hoping I run um, HistFest which is a, a history festival that does events and, and other things so I'm hoping to launch a batch of short courses online courses this autumn um, which would be great if you could check it out the details will be on the website at some point so yeah I mean if you're interested in different types of history then there's um, there's going to be a range of courses there for you to look at. I will, um, as always, do a blog post accompanying the video, um, which will be over at www.genealogystories.co.uk, and then there's like a twice removed page. Um, but when I do that, I can I can put in a big link 
to your courses and I can personally recommend them because I, I took your course on killer women um, and I found it fascinating and really, really enjoyed ah, it. So, well, thank you. I really recommend it was just and, it, and it's when you say course, it's also fun. It's not I didn't feel like I had to do work or had to do homework, although I could have done if I wanted to. Um, it it yeah. was a, a leisure course, you know. Um, rather oh, than something stressful so it was really enjoyable so I'm going to hit the end broadcast button it will do that awkward thing where it takes a second to end and we'll sit here smiling <laughs> but um, uh, thank you very very much for joining me thank you